Hi, this is Dr. Karen Norton. In this talk, I'll be discussing CT for diagnosing small bowel intussusception. Adult intussusception has been thought to be rare, accounting for only about 5% of all intussusception and only 1% of small bowel obstructions. Unlike intussusceptions in children, which are idiopathic in 90% of cases, adult intussusceptions were traditionally thought to have an identifiable cause in the majority of cases. So if you look here in the literature from two, um, sorry, 1986, 25 adult intussusception, they found a cause in 92%. And here's a more recent study from the surgical literature, 13 adult intussusceptions, they found a pathologic cause in 93%. But it's important to realize that these articles discuss patients presenting with an intussusception as the cause of their obstruction. So they presented with an obstruction. Given the high percentages of cases with identifiable cause in the surgical literature, the surgical literature suggested that you needed surgical exploration in all patients presenting with intussusception. But due to significant advances in CT scanners, along with increasing utilization of CT, we've been detecting more small bowel intussusceptions, specifically enteroenteric intussusceptions. And sometimes the patients are asymptomatic, and these intussusceptions are transient and without an identifiable lead point. So it doesn't make sense to send all these patients to surgery. Here's a study where they looked at 69,000 CT reports. They found 37 cases with small bowel intussusception. 84% of them were self-limiting. So this is exactly opposite of the earlier surgical literature. Here's another article. 21% of patients with small bowel obsession, uh, intussusception were found to have a lead point at surgery. So not 80 or 90%. It was less than 20%. So that led people to start looking more closely at enteroenteric intussusceptions. Here's a very large study of 381,000 CT reports. They had 170 adult intussusceptions. 149 of them were enteroenteric. 30 patients underwent surgery. 15 patients had pathologic findings that correlated with the CT findings. And seven patients with enteroenteric intussusceptions. Some had benign neoplasms, adhesions, inflammation, previous anastomosis, Crohn's disease, or some were idiopathic. So clearly, increasing identification of small bowel intussusception on CT has complicated the management of adult patients with intussusception. So not every patient with CT evidence of an intussusception may need surgery. There's important things you need to look at. First, let's review what intussusception actually is. So it occurs when one segment slides into the next segment. So one segment telescopes into the next loop. Okay, so as it goes through there, it pulls mesenteric fat and mesenteric vessels with it. Gastric intussusceptions are very rare. I've only seen a couple cases. Enteroenteric intussusceptions are much more common. Specifically, jejunal jejunal are very common because I think because there's more folds in the jejunum. But you can get duodenal jejunal or jejunal ileal. And then a whole different type of intussusception, which we're not really going to discuss right now, is large bowel intussusception. There is a high associated association with malignancy in intussusceptions that involve the colon. So if you have a colocolic or an ileocolic intussusception, then you really need to address that because there's likely going to be an underlying malignancy as the cause. Okay, what's the presentation? Well, that's the problem. Patients, it's often nonspecific, okay? If there is a lead point and the patient's obstructed, then they're going to present with abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, obstruction. Or if it's due to an underlying malignancy, they might have weight loss or bleeding. But in the cases that you look at where we never find a lead point, they just have vague abdominal pain. We don't even know if it's related to that. They're not obstructed or it's totally asymptomatic. It could be that we're scanning the patient for some reason like a renal donor and we see an intussusception. 
Okay, so they're clearly being identified on CT and patients scan for unrelated reasons. If you look at tumors, the variety of malignant tumors or benign lesions like lipomas, for example, and neurofibromas can cause interception, or of course, a Meckel's diverticulum, or inflammatory disease. So patients with Crohn's disease, celiac disease, giardia, really anything that can alter small bowel motility can result in an interception. So definitely malabsorption syndromes. And then it can just be idiopathic when we never find a cause. Just remember, patients with HIV have an increased risk of intussusception, both from tumors like Kaposi's sarcoma, although that's relatively uncommon these days, or because they get infections of the small bowel, or just because they have lymphoid hyperplasia, which can result in one loop sliding into the next. MPRs, I think, are very helpful if you're concerned about the diagnosis or it's not clear from the axial images, um, especially when you're trying to find the lead point. It can be especially helpful. So as I mentioned, traditionally, it was treated with surgical exploration and resection because the patients presented with obstruction. But when CT is identifying these in patients without obstruction, we need to take a closer look. Are there clues so we can send the, the correct people to surgery and avoid surgery when it's unnecessary? So patients should have surgery if there's an obstruction. So you have a small bowel intussusception and the patient is has an obstruction because of that they should go to surgery if you see a mass if you see signs of ischemia or if you see involvement of the colon we've already discussed that when do you not need to rush to surgery it's totally asymptomatic it's in the proximal jejunum so jejunal jejunal would be the classic it's a short segment uh, traditionally we say less than 3.5 centimeters if it has the classic ct features of an intussusception and remember no obstruction is present so here's an article looking at five cases of transient jejunal, jejunal intussusceptions and three cases of transient ileal intussusception. And what they found is the small bowel loops are usually normal in caliber, proximal to this, or only minimally dilated. It's a short segment, and it has the classic CT target sign. Okay, another article showing that if it's a small segment, so a short segment, meaning less than 3.5 centimeters. So here's an article looking at 30 patients who underwent surgery, uh, 30 of 170 patients who underwent surgery. 15 had intussusceptions as seen on CT, um, long segment, 9.6. 15 didn't find the intussusception at CT. And when you look back, I mean, sorry, the intussusception at surgery. When you look back at the CT, they were the shorter segments. So again, if it's a short segment, no obstruction, no signs of ischemia, classic CT appearance, especially in the jejunum, it probably um, is not going to have an identifiable cause at surgery. So let's look at a few cases. So here's case number one. We have a 73-year-old man with Crohn's disease and abdominal pain. He had a history of a prior right hemicolectomy. Okay, we have a classic CT appearance of intussusception, right? The image on the left, you can see that there's fat inside the thickened loop because one loop has slipped into the next loop. So you can see two loops and the associated mesentery. On the left, in the coronal plane, you can actually see how it looks like one loop has slid inside the other loop. Okay, so that was the classic appearance of a jejunal, jejunal intussusception. There was no obstruction associated with it. The bowel was a little dilated, but it wasn't obstructed. So what we did, um, we did a small bowel series, and that was normal. They just showed a little bit of edema, no obstruction, no intussusception was seen the next day. The patient was treated conservatively, the pain resolved, and, you know, a couple year follow-up, the patient hasn't presented again. Case number two, 23-year-old woman with a two-week history of intermittent abdominal pain, had minimal diarrhea, no nausea or vomiting. 
we did the CT scan again on the image on the left. It's a classic CT appearance on an axial image of an intussusception. There's no obstruction, right? You see the target sign. You see the fat in the center, which is the mesenteric fat, which has been pulled in. And on the coronal image, again, you see how one loop has slid into the next loop. And in this case, it was a, a longer segment. It was a nine centimeter segment. So this was a classical jejunal, jejunal intussusception. It was nine centimeters long. So this is one that we would want to investigate. Small bowel series the same day was read as normal. And actually, we did another CT the next day, which was completely normal. The pain resolved over 24 hours. We were still concerned that maybe we were missing a lead point. So the patient had a small bowel capsule endoscopy, which was normal. So even though you follow the rules, it's, you know, it's not always right. Here's the coronal image from the CAT scan performed the next day with a lot of oral contrast. There was no intussusception there. Okay, so which patients should you definitely send? So here's a 35-year-old woman with a history of breast cancer. Okay, so if you have a history of breast cancer, for example, melanoma, those kind of things, you have to be worried that you might have metastasis as a lead point. She presented with acute abdominal pain. Classic intussusception, right? You see the fat in the center. You have the thickened bowel because there's two loops of bowel there in cross-section. So we definitely have an intussusception. And then the coronal view is a very long intussusception, 15 centimeters. And at the end, you're seeing a rounded soft tissue density. So this is one you'd be really concerned that there's a lead point because you see something round at the tip. So that you think there's a lead point pulling the one loop into the next loop. So we had the MDCT. It showed a long segment, 15-centimeter segment, jejunal-jejunal intussusception with a 3-centimeter lead point. So we recommended surgery. The patient went right to surgery. We assumed it was going to be a metastasis from a breast cancer. But when we looked at a pathology, it was actually a hamartomatous polyp. And the patient had put Jaegers, although she didn't know it. This was a diagnosis post-op. So in conclusion, enteroenteric intussusceptions are being diagnosed more frequently on CT. They can be incidental findings in asymptomatic patients. Okay, first you need to know how to recognize the signs, and we reviewed that. Diagnose that there's a small bowel intussusception, and then decide whether or not you think that this is a high-risk uh, intussusception or could be a transient intussusception. So if there's an obstruction, they need evaluation, probably surgery. If you see a lead point, obviously they need that resected. If it's a long segment, some people say greater than 3.5 centimeters or greater than 5 centimeters in length. Any signs of ischemia, of course, you would want to go to surgery. And then when you have a small bowel intussusception that also affects the colon, so ileocolic, for example, those need investigation. Very high chance that there's an underlying malignancy. So what I reviewed with you is that a short segment, jejunal-dejunal intussusception without an obstruction, especially in an asymptomatic patient, um, maybe. Uh, may be treated conservatively in most patients. So you don't have to rush off to surgery in all these patients.